Hi everyone, I'm Stephen Stout, Executive Director with the Texas Society of Association Executives and your co-host for Better by Association. And I'm Katie Markert, Marketing and Communications Director with TSAE and your other co-host. Welcome back to our studio setting, Katie, as the last couple of episodes were the live recordings we did at our New Ideas Annual Conference. That was wild. It was wild, so wild. I was different being back. I was got used to the crowd and I thought it was actually really fun. I thought it was cool to just share this little project we have with all of our members and do it live. Yeah, it was interesting because I wasn't sure how I was going to receive the audience because I'm so used to the intimate conversation we have with us and our guests. And so I, I really tried to not look at the audience or avoid them at all together. But uh, <laughs> seeing people in the room and seeing them enjoying the conversation was pretty cool. But today we are talking with Lori Gracie, CAE. And this is such a treat for us because I truly think Lori is one of the smartest people I know. When I have a technology question or heck, just a question about life in general, about nine times out of 10, she's the first person I call. I totally believe it. (laughs) Lori is so impressive and she's one of our resident experts on AI, so much so that TSAE is partnering with TCEA, her organization, on a workshop in January. Check that out on our website. This is a shameless plug, but it's called AI Association Innovation Lab, and it's happening in January. Lori has been such a key part of that in partnering with us, and we are so happy she wanted to, and we're so happy to have her here today. But Stephen, I'm curious, what is your relationship with AI? Oh, my relationship with AI, I've seen all the Terminator and Matrix movies, so I'm also <laughs> very cautious about new trends and things like this. Although I have been dabbling in a very surface level capacity where just on helping me do writings, like prompt writings, at least get a starting point. And that's been really helpful. But I also am very cognizant of I don't want Arnold Schwarzenegger to appear in my office to tell me that he needs to save me from my future self. So I'm being very, I'm like dipping my toe into AI. But I'm excited to learn more about it. But I think a lot of people can relate to that. Yeah. What about you, Katie, with marketing? What are your dealings with AI? Honestly, I've been just dabbling as well. I feel like I should be more into it. And that's why I'm looking forward to our January workshop, because I think I'm going to learn a lot and hopefully it will make my life easier. I'm not as scared maybe as you are. (laughs) (laughs) I'm open to the technology and I'm surprised I haven't dug in more, but the little bit I have worked with it and just helping get my ideas off the ground and g- give me words that sometimes I don't have and then I can make it my own. That's been really helpful to learn how to do it even more. It will be, I think, very beneficial. So. Yeah. We have the right person joining us today to talk about not only technology, but all sorts of things, association management. We certainly do. And we are in for a treat. Lori currently serves as the executive director of the Texas Computer Education Association, as I mentioned before, TCEA, with a staff of 21 dedicated individuals serving more than 80,000 members around the world. During her 14 years in this position, she has led TCEA in a membership and revenue growth, helped to pay off their building and purchase a new larger building while also paid off and implemented new conferences partnerships with other associations, and professional development opportunities for members and non-members. Lori earned her Certified Association Executive designation in 2014, and she has served on the TSC board and consistently presents at different TSC events, including Associations 101, New Ideas, our webinars, Learn at Lunches, and our CEO forum. She leads a weekly meeting with executive directors of other educational technology associations, and has also organized and led several governance events for volunteer leaders in similar associations from around the world. 
Very impressive. Plus, let's not forget, she most recently was awarded TSAE's Association Professional of the Year at our New Ideas Annual Conference this past September. Very exciting. And welcome, Lori. Welcome, Lori. I need to borrow that introduction to use with my board of directors when I'm talking. I'll just hold on to that for me, okay? I would say, Lori, you are one of the celebrities we get this season, so I'm really excited you're here. I'm so excited to dive in with you for the next hour or so just to pick your brain. I always, whenever I just chat with you, even on a passing, I always leave with a tablet of notes. So I'm really excited for today. I'm looking forward to this. Yeah. So first question, Lori, we always ask the same question of every guest, and this is a chance to get to learn a little bit more about you than what just what's in your bio. But what is your fallen story? So many of us did not go to school for this. We all stumbled into the association space through different avenues. So I'm curious How did you fall into this industry and your current role? That's a great question. I worked in education. So I was a classroom teacher. I taught at the college level for a while. I taught secondary level. I got promotions and I moved up to tech director or an assistant curriculum person. So I was in the school districts for 30 years. Okay. Wow. During that time, I also was a member of TCA. In fact, I've been a member of TCA and I'll age myself here since 1982. Oh, wow. I think both of you have been born, okay? (laughs) The organization meant a lot to me. And and back at that time, there wasn't a lot of technology out there, and we were all just getting thrown in to use it with students, and we didn't know much, so it really meant a lot. After I retired from education, then it just so happened that shortly after that, the opening came up for the ED position at TCA, and I thought, sure, I know TCA. I know the organization. I can do this. And so they foolishly hired me. And that's when I realized that I knew absolutely nothing about associations or how to run one. But I was happy still to be there because I do believe in the organization so much. That's so bold of you. Throw your name in the hat like that. I love it. I know, especially uh, seeing it from in front of the curtain and then wanting to go behind the curtain. That can sometimes be daunting. It's very scary behind the curtain. Yes. (laughs) Agreed. Well, that's awesome. We're so glad you made your way to the association world, Lori. And I'm curious, what are some trends that you are seeing right now as an association leader? I have to talk about AI. Uh, And I know everybody's probably sick to death of hearing about AI, but I think this is the biggest trend. I think this is the biggest impact more than any other technology since maybe the printing press. Wow. Fast it's being implemented, the changes that are happening. So I, I have to say that is something that I'm following, quite frankly, not even day to day, but minute to minute because changes keep happening. I think a couple of other things that I'm really paying attention to is how do you empower your staff? My dad worked at Lubrizol, which is an oil refinery down in the Houston area, and he worked there for 40 plus years, and he did the same job for 40 plus years. There was no professional learning. He just did the same job. It worked great. From moment to moment in our jobs now, our staff and us, we all are having to do new and different things, even without AI. So how do you empower your staff to take charge, to come to you as the leader and say, hey, this part of my job description isn't really working anymore. Instead, I'm doing this. How can we make this? Or I need professional development in this to help me better do this. So I'm really spending a lot of time, I think, watching that trend. I think the other trend I'm watching is that whole event planning piece, how it has changed in the past 20 years, quite frankly, and especially in the last five years. Things that always worked before don't always work now. And things obviously cost more and you have to work with more people now. And and it's just all so complicated. So those are the three trends I'm really following. 
Those are big ones, Lori. Those aren't tiny ones. I imagine for someone like you, especially in the industry your organization represents, AI, it makes sense that you watch it so closely, like even more so than probably the rest of us. I imagine it's exciting, but also, again, a little scary, just making sure that it's done the right way and you implement it in the right ways. And then, of course, empowering your staff. That I think we all struggle with, quite frankly, to make sure that our, our staff has the tools and the support they need to do their jobs, especially in our space. Because again, it is such a jack of all trades, right? But it's always funny writing a job description because there's always that bullet point at the bottom, like other duties as assigned. <laughs> sometimes I feel like we live in that bullet point and the others are just, oh, that's nice. But this is where I live in this gray area. So I appreciate that you're keeping an eye on that. Yeah, it's really been a challenge, to be honest, because it requires you as the ED to know everybody's jobs, which, yeah, there's no way. I barely know my job, but I certainly don't know everybody else's jobs. Yeah, I am just trying to get from breakfast to dinner every day, and that's, that's <laughs> my goal. And I now I got to make sure other people are doing the same thing. I understand completely. But with your passion around tech, Lori, um, why do you think tech is a four-letter word to some organizations? I think a lot of people have had a very negative first experience with some kind of technology. They got a new iPhone or their old version of a printer doesn't work, and they got very frustrated. They couldn't get help. The technology we used back in 15, 20 years ago was not user-friendly, and it was difficult to use. So they had some kind of bad first experience and just said, forget it. We just don't need to use tech at all. And certainly, we shouldn't use tech for everything, but it can make parts of our lives better. I think another reason why people are afraid of it is because it is changing so fast. I did some research just to see what the latest trend is. The technology is changing two times every 18 months. Gosh. And over 89% of big data that has been produced within the last two years. And it's just growing incrementally. So how do you keep up with that if your job is to be the Trial Lawyers Association? How do you keep up with the technology? A little bit easier for us. We're the tech association, but if you're the the plumbing association, how are you keeping up with that? So I think that's also a huge issue is it's just so fast. Right. And associations really have a reputation for being fast, right? We've always been a little slow, although I think COVID helped us kick us in gear a little bit quicker. But still, like you said, it's just so much so quickly. And if you have a small team or not even a, a very large one, just to have someone trying to keep an eye on all the trends, it's just real hard. So like you said, I think then it falls down to the leader, right? Like yourself. I can imagine the pressure you guys might be under and trying to stay on top of technology trends (laughs) because we learned our tech trends from you. So I have no idea where you go to look at your tech trends, but I understand that. But where does your love of tech come from then, Lori? I, back a thousand years ago when I was in the classroom, I was given the first Apple IIe computer in the school district of Aldi, which is where I was teaching. And yeah, Apple IIe, yay. It was a great thing. And <laughs> we used it with my classes of journalism students to put out the monthly e-newsletter. Okay, that wasn't even an e-newsletter, the newsletter at that time. And so from those days on, I've just really enjoyed it. I like the fact that technology, quite frankly, fits with the way my brain works. It helps me be organized. It helps me be sequential. It gives me nice ways to do my checklists and make sure everything is working and then I've done all the things I'm supposed to. It helps me manage my day-to-day job and my responsibilities. And I think that's where it all comes from because it really fits in with how I think. Some people are not that way. I've got some fabulous graphic design folks on staff and the technology certainly helps them with their drawing and their production and all, but that's not how their mind thinks in terms like mine does. So it may not be as big a fit, but it certainly works great for me. Does technology invade your personal life as much as it does your professional life? 
I am a big user. My iPhone and I are never away from each other. And I'm not really into texting and things, but I use it to stay current. So I'm on Reddit, I'm on Discord, I'm reading blogs. I read all my books online. Not that there's anything wrong with a good printed copy of a book. So I really use that a lot. My husband is more of a Luddite and uses his computer strictly to play chess online. <laughs> um, and, and that's great. So he doesn't have to be the tech expert. Yeah. Interesting. I it's just feel like there's only so many changes that I can, my brain can handle. I'm the one who doesn't even want to update my iPhone whenever it's time because I'm like, no, we ha I have to learn new places where, of where they all are and what it looks like now. But I love that you love it. Yeah. Somebody needs to so the rest of us can learn from that person. So yeah. thank you for loving it. <laughs> that is so true. And as an association leader, Lori, what would you say are some of your biggest day-to-day -day challenges that you have right now? Uh. And, and how long do you have for this? <laughs> All the time in the world, Lori. You, you... Yeah. I, I have to be honest and say, I think that managing my staff mm -hmm. is what I spend so much of my time on. And and I have a fabulous staff, so it's not like they're problem children or anything. Sure. They all need something. Yeah. Um, and it's my job to make sure they get what they need. So making sure that they have that and talking with them about that and helping them with their problems and solve their solutions. And then always just looking out for, let's talk about pay raises and let's talk about, are we going to change our working hours? Are we going to change our telecommuting thing? All of those pieces, I used to think I would spend like 10 to 20% of my time on it. I think it's probably an 80 to 85% of my time and helping them to be the best that they can possibly be. Sure. I think that's very normal. I'm curious though, if you think it has changed since COVID or it's pretty much the same. I think it has changed since COVID. I think we've all had, going back to what you said, we've had to be a little bit more nimble as associations, which means we've had to step out of what we're very comfortable and used to doing. That's all of our staff and suddenly change. And those changes are just continuing to increase. So they may need more reassurance or more blessing that, yes, you're doing the right thing. Keep it up. This is great. Than they did in the past when it was a little bit more doing the job by rote, if you will. Sure. Managing people is hard. I don't know. Also, like yourself, Laura, I'm not sure what I expected. I expected I would just be like a person at the end of the hallway that someone can come ask a question to now and again, and I'll just get out of your way. But like yourself, spend a lot of time, even with small staff, managing people to make sure they have the tools they need and everyone's different and everyone needs different things from you, whether that be, a, like you said, a verbal assurance or a blessing, or they want your input on something before they're willing to move forward. It's a lot. It does eat into your day. I think people don't realize how much it eats into your day. Because I always joke that I have a job too, but I'm supposed to be doing <laughs> that. I'm trying to help with the staff could do theirs. And then and they're all doing great jobs like you. I, I have a great staff, but it does take time and it takes time to, out of your day. Um, so you have to find other time to do what you need to do. And it, it can be challenging. I think also the difference between what members say they want and what your members really actually do need can sometimes be great. Not always, but sometimes I think trying to ascertain both of those and see how the association can help with that and help to meet the wants and the needs. I think that also is another big piece. And then the, I'll throw this in just for fun, the third piece, which is working with your board. Okay. Fabulous people dedicated to the cause and to the mission, always there to support the organization. I have 26 amazing educators who are on my board. I have 26 people on my board, which means a, big number. a lot of time. Also making sure they understand where we're doing, why we're going, what we're headed, 
all that kind of stuff. And I think that takes up a lot of time too. Yeah. It's not a negative thing, oh. but it does eat a lot of time. Of course. You want them to have the information they need to make decisions and make calls that they may need to make at a, at a moment's notice. That does take time to get people the right information. It's just, it's a challenge. But at the same time, it's a good challenge because an engaged board is fantastic, right? As opposed to a board that never bothers you. But it does take time for, to build that engagement and support it. So I totally get it. I think what you're facing is absolutely normal to everybody. Not that I'm a therapist or this is not a life therapy <laughs> session, but I feel like or you are pretty much in line with everyone we've heard from lately. I, I feel like an air traffic controller sometimes. <laughs> and I've got all the planes in the air, the staff, yes. the board, the yes. members, and I'm trying, yes. trying to keep them from crashing and burning and get yes. their destinations. And, and that's what I think the ED job is, to be honest. Yeah, that's funny. I thought more like dodgeball. Mine's a little more violent where you're like, something big's coming at you. You're just going to move that way, move that way. Yes, the air traffic controller makes a lot more sense. Lori, we talked about, of course, how you are just a thought leader in my mind and on many things. But where do you go yourself to learn about new things on the horizon? And we're going to give you a pass outside of TSE. So you don't have to build our ego up. I'm curious, outside of us. Uh, I'll let you do that later. Yeah, we'll do that later. Uh, where do you go to find your newest information? How are you keeping your thumb on the heartbeat of all this? And that's another challenge, okay, that you're doing in between all of the other pieces we've just talked about. Because even if it's not AI and it's not technology, there again are so many changes in the association world. I do pay close attention. I follow a lot of people uh, in the communities of ASAE because they're always talking about some of the same things I'm interested in. I meet regularly with both education association leaders in Texas and then ed tech association leaders around the world, quite frankly, we meet every two weeks just to talk about, oh, what are you seeing? What's going on? What's happening? Oh, I didn't know that, or I hadn't seen that, or, you know, things to be prepared for. I do a lot of reading on Reddit, Discord, blogs, just like everybody else does. I will say that one of the people I'm really, that's really making me think right now, his name is Ethan Mollick, M-O-L-L-I-C-K. And he has a, a blog called One Useful Thing, and he doesn't publish maybe once a week, maybe once every two weeks, but his blogs always make me go, wow, I never thought of that before, and that is so true, and now what does that mean for us? So I found him to be really useful. And Lori, do you, I've heard different thoughts on this, where people find it very advantageous to look outside the association space to see what other industries are doing to embrace innovation and tech and all this stuff, instead of just pigeonholing yourself and learning about what is, how associations are doing, but for-profit companies, are you paying attention to those guys? I'm going to be honest, I'm not really. Okay. Um, because what Microsoft can do or should do versus what TCA should do is, I think, not similar. And right, what right. we're doing right now, I can see that might be different down the road, but right now I don't pay a lot of attention. Maybe I'm missing stuff. Oh, now I'm worried. <laughs> yeah, that's my list of things to do. Thank you, Stephen. Another airplane just got to win in the sky. Thank you. <laughs> I just wrote down that blog because any tools you have like that, I, whatever Lori's reading, I want to be reading. But what is it about? Is there something specific about the future that you're excited about when it comes to associations? I, I want to talk about partnering uh, because I've seen a, a huge change in the 14 years I've been doing this job in how willing and able and receptive other associations are to partner with each other. And I think that, to me, is one of the big futures of the association world. If we're not working together, we're all probably drowning separately, quite frankly. So I really like that. I'm, I'm very excited about that. We've done a number of different partnerships with all sorts of associations, including the upcoming AI one with TSAE that I'm so excited about. 
I'm also, yeah, I'm excited about AI. I got to be honest. <laughs> and right now I'm, I'm trying to keep track of it, but right now it is saving me an average of six to 10 hours a week. Okay. Oh, and that is, yeah, because wow. that's more time I can spend with my airplanes, right? And, and with my, <laughs> my board and my members. So that's just great. And I think it's just going to continue. And so I think AI, it does make me excited, not because I think it's going to take over the world. And quite frankly, if it could, maybe they, it would do better than we are. I don't know. <laughs> but because I think it can save us from some of the more mundane tasks that we spend so much time on. One of the little jobs I do every morning is I go in and look at our convention report and I take it from one place of data and put it in another program that more people have access to. And then I analyze it and all. And that's probably the first 20, 30 minutes of my day every single day. Yeah, I can do that for me now, which is great. And then I just have to look at it. Okay. I don't have to do all the, the machinations to get it to work. And to me, that is just life changing. Yeah. I was going to talk about scary things. Even Lori's a little bit scared of AI. It's not just yeah. Stephen being paranoid. I mean, I don't know enough to be scared. I don't have absolute faith in the people who are creating it mm. um, to think that they will have humanity's best interest at heart. I don't think it's going to be Terminator. I don't think it's taking over the world, but I think it can move even faster than what it is now. And I think that will really scare people. And I don't want us to get into the let's ban all of it. We're not going to use any AI, shut it all down. Because again, it can be very helpful. Yeah. Um, so that does worry me a little bit. My other worry is strictly a, a Texas association worry for those of us in education, and that is funding for schools and the state legislature. And, and uh, regardless of politics, can we work together and make things happen in our state so that things are even better? The, we'll talk about the the power grid and everything else that's going on. How can we all work together and solve these problems? Because we do have some that we need to worry about. And so that's something else that kind of scares me a little bit. Yeah. And imagine the industry you serve, you're seeing all that on the front line of what's scary in that space as well, as far as legislation goes for education. Yeah, man, you guys have a hard fight every time. And I, I, my hat's off to you. I know it's not easy, but you all do it in the best interest of the teachers and the students. Keep doing what you're doing. One of the things, though, too, Lori, I agree with you. You never know what people's intention are, people who are designing this stuff so quickly that I hope, I like you, I hope they don't ban the whole thing once things start coming out feverishly, or, or as you said, they probably already are. But it has been really helpful. Again, I am not using it in the capacity you're using it because I may be saving myself 10 minutes, not six to 10 hours. But yeah, that's a good point. I didn't even think about the possibility that we get so afraid of it that everyone, they ban the whole thing, which would be sad in a way, I think. Yeah. And, and I will say that in, in a lot of our school systems right now, that's the response, which is the same response we had when the internet first came out, when cell phones first came out was it's too distracting. Let's just ban it. And quite frankly, it didn't work with the internet or with cell phones. It wouldn't work here. Banning AI would be almost impossible, I think. Yeah. But there could certainly be some fights about it. So I, I think just trying to stay on the what works, what doesn't work, let's abandon that definitely, but what yeah. works for us and how can we use it best in whatever area we're working in. And I'm so curious, especially for associations, right? People who need help quickly and, and need to save six to 10 hours a week to just to get the, through their week. It's a shame. I'm excited that people want to learn more about it and, and maybe aren't as afraid to dip their toe in. Just again, alone, using it for writing prompts or just help me get started instead of looking at a blank screen with a cursor blinking back at me. I could, if I could just mess with something to make it sound more Steven and to make it, it's just saved me hours so far, but not six to 10. So I got to up my game a little bit. 
I think so. We have uh, an online chat system on our website. So people come to the website and they have questions. I got a lot of people who are answering from 6.30 in the morning until 6 o'clock at night. Okay. And that's great. But sometimes they want to ask questions at 2 in the morning. And I don't have anybody answering then. And they could search the website, but they may not want to. So now we put in an AI um, chatbot and we trained it on our content. So it's not going to talk about politics or history or anything like that. It's going to talk about TCA and you need to know what hotels are available for the convention or how much a webinar is. Those are the questions it can answer. And already we're seeing huge differences in how much traffic we're getting on the online chat that my assistants have to all answer and versus how much traffic we're getting with the, the chat pod and that's saving them more time plus getting faster answers. So I think there's a lot of power there that we can really be using that we just haven't even thought about yet. Yeah. And it's interesting. Do you remember, Lori, when webinars first came out and everyone was like, oh, the webinars are going to kill in-person conferences. Everyone's going to want to do a webinar. No, that didn't happen. They're a nice addition to offerings to members, but it's interesting how sometimes associations may seem tech as a threat and instead of like really digging into like how it can benefit the organization. That's so interesting. Yeah. About the chatbot, because they're popping up everywhere too. Every site you go to, the little bubble at the bottom, do you have a question that I can help you with? And sometimes generationally, there are people who do not want to talk to a human being and would much prefer to talk to a chatbot or a robot just so I don't have to make a phone call. That works for me. So I think that's great. You guys are trying that out. I'd be curious to circle back with you later on and see how it's still going for you guys. But Lori, you've answered this question a little bit, but I'm so curious outside of that blog, what are you reading right now or trying to learn more about as far as, I know you said AI, but is there anything else out there that you're like, interested in reading about or that sort of piqued your interest? I'm going to be honest and say that when I first took the job of ED, I bought every book out there that was for associations and I read them all, right? And I just I took notes and I did all that. And I don't do that anymore. I'm going to be honest, mainly because yeah. of lack of time. There are no good books I can recommend. There are tons of good books out there, but I can't recommend any that I'm faithfully following right now. What I'm trying to learn more about is how do I get my board who are deep into the day-to-day -day putting out the fires in their jobs yeah. to help me plan TCEA for five years from now, yeah. for 10 years from now. And how do we predict those changes? And I think that is one of the most difficult things that a leader of an, of an organization can do is, is do that down the road picture. So I spend a lot of time just looking everywhere. What are the future trends? Let's look at the future trends in automobiles. What does that have to do with TCA that may impact buses and schools? And what about buses? What's it going like, to hire more people or we're going to get rid of buses? There's just lots of different things. So I'm constantly looking at things like that. And I think that's where I have to learn a lot more. I feel sometimes like I am the prophet crying in the wilderness going, it's coming. <laughs> we're going, what the heck are you talking about? I don't know what this is. Everything's hunky-dory. My Dairy Queen is just fine down the street. Life is good. <laughs> <laughs> so I think that's where I'm really spending my time. And it's just a mixture of going out there and quite frankly, Googling and talking to some of my AI chatbots about what's coming. What are you predicting for the future? And, and Lori, I, I feel like during COVID, all of our boards were so focused on the here and now because we were just trying to survive, keep the doors open, keep staffing levels. We were so focused on the at the moment that I think, because I think pre-COVID, pre there was a lot of people that she's playing sessions for years out. We had a lot of conversation about the future, but mid-2020, everyone's what is happening right now because we need to make sure we're here the next three or four, five years. So 
Have you seen a shift with your leadership as far as going from future right now to future again? Because that's a really hard transition. We're struggling with it too. With our leadership was really focused on trying to make sure that TSC was around for years and years. But now we're trying to step back and focus on the future. And it's been a challenge for us too. I agree with you about the COVID thing that we really were very focused on. How are we paying the bills tomorrow (laughs) and the next day versus five years out? But I think it's always been a challenge for organizations to be able to look five years, 10 years down the road and really come up with something. You and I both know, Stephen, that we can write strategic plans all day long and they can look beautiful and we can put them on that shelf and get them out next year or five years from now and not pay any attention to them. And and everybody would be fine with that, unfortunately. It's really knowing what's coming. How do you predict what the changes are that are coming that are going to impact. Because a couple of years ago, even after COVID, we probably couldn't have predicted the price increases, the mergers that are happening in the technology world in terms of association software and things. Could not have predicted all that. So how do you prepare and how do you help your board understand? I think that is a huge challenge right now. I don't have an answer for it, but I think it's something we all need to think about. I tell my staff that I really think it's important that we regularly put in our daily calendars sometime once a week that I just call think time, where you're not going to answer any slacks or emails or people knocking on your door unless the building's on fire. You're just going to sit there and you've got a set topic. You're not just randomly going out and you're thinking and thinking about what needs to happen next and what's coming and how things might be better, what processes could be improved. And so I really encourage them to do that. But it's very easy to put that on your calendar. And then when it comes up, you go, oh, wait, but I've got this emergency right now. I've got to get this done. I've got this project. I think time is also part of that we have to schedule in. I love that so much. And I'm actually picturing Lori with her crystal ball thinking about the future. (laughs) But I love the idea. Everyone can do that. Like just take the time to really think about what's coming and how we're going to handle it should it come that time. Because, yeah, I'm looking at it from an ED standpoint. How is my membership person? What is he seeing coming? What is my IT person seeing coming? What are my PD people seeing coming? Everybody has a different take on it. Your advocacy person. Yeah, I think everybody needs to stop and do that. And then it'd be great if we all shared once in a while. Of, oh, I think this is coming. And we try to do that in our SAP innings. And I'm sure y'all do too. Mm-hmm. It's interesting, Lori, because we, we really have to, same thing with you to stop, just take a beat for a second and think about that kind of stuff. Because it's so easy to get trapped into next next. We have an event coming up with that. We have sponsor. We got to get that out. But just stop and take a beat for a second. And it's interesting because I went to a session at ASE Annual this past year and a a really well-respected speaker who I adore, I went to a session to talk about with your board things. And one of them, he said, was climate change. You should, your board should be talking about climate change. And I was thought, crap, we're still talking about, hey, like the magazine's making this much money and we got to, we're, I was like, I, I need to get the board like going up there. Like it was really huge topics as opposed to talking about like, where's the conference next year? But it takes some work to pull the people up to that kind of high level space, right? It's so much easier to be down in those weeds. Yes. It's much easier to pick out where the conference is going to be than to know five years from now what you need to be doing about climate change for your organization and your members. Yeah. It, it, it's interesting because now you're the third person that said something like this. I'm like, there's really some merit behind it. It's not just someone who was trying to scare me at a session uh, into doing something. It's clearly, obviously, something we real, all need to be taking it. A good look at is the future of our industries and our space and a really a good conversation. Especially with your board, because your boards are most engaged folks, right? They're the most, they're people who care the most. Nine tenths of ten are probably some of the ones that have been around the longest too. So they're a good resource for that. Just getting them into that level, like you said, pulling them out of the weeds and into, I don't know, the sky 
is where we want them. So it is, is a challenge for a lot of leaders, but I think it's a really interesting approach that you had there. I love think time. Katie, we might be starting think time soon at PSA. Yeah, yeah 100%. <laughs> this does actually flow right into my next question, which is just what inspires you to innovate? I think I have the best members in the world, okay? We work with educators, not just teachers, but librarians and principals and college professors and superintendent, everybody. And 99.9% of those folks are in their jobs, not because of the money, not because of the uh, prestige, not because it was an easy thing to get into. They are there because they love the kids and the learning. And so what inspires me is what can we do to make things better for them, okay? I can't get them a pay raise, okay? I don't have that power as an organization, but I can help them use AI perhaps to save 15 minutes a day. And what does that mean? I can maybe take off some of the drudge work of the drudge grading, not the higher level grading. And so they don't have to do that and they can spend more time helping kids who are in need or helping teachers who are in need. To me, that's what really inspires me. And and then I'll be honest too, and I'm not trying to suck up or anything, but when I hear the stories from TSAE, what all of the other leaders and all of the other organizational staff are doing out there, I'm like, wow, look at the difference they made. That may not fit me. That's what the bankers did. And maybe it doesn't fit me, but they're making a difference. And, and we can do that too. What can we do to do that? So both of those inspire me so much. I love that. Yeah. Our folks too, they have such inspirational stories in their day-to-day too. It's just incredible. Some of the industries that are moving forward and being pushed forward by their associations like TCA. So I totally get that, Lori. With that though, association management has many areas and you're, you talked about having your hands in almost all of them. Area of association management is your true passion. It goes back to my teaching days. I love to provide professional learning. My people will tell you the joke uh, that I keep making about, I've got a PowerPoint for that. And uh, I do, I, I can teach on anything because I love helping people learn. And learning is so important right now, especially as things are changing. To me, that is my passion. That's what I'm really good at. I'll be very honest and say, the finances don't throw my heart. I know that's an important piece and I have to spend a lot of time on it, but it does not excite me. Advocacy does not excite me. I know it's important. I have fabulous staff to deal with that, but that's not where my passion lies. I am all about the teaching and the learning and helping people get better and improve and learn what they need to be happier with themselves. So that's what really inspires me, I think. Yeah. It sounds from you talking about your membership, the way you describe them, I'm envisioning your cup being filled when you see them get a promotion or you see them doing a new project at their school district or whatever, just helping your members just exist in the space right now. That's pretty cool. We all, like you said, we all have areas we like and we don't like, and I'm with you. Finances are a necessary evil, but it's certainly not where I like to spend my time, but it's where I spend a lot of my time. Yeah. I get it. But it, it's fun when you get to actually embrace your passion a little bit, your passion area, and you can always feel it when you're working in that space. They're like, oh, I'm really like into this. I can tell that like it's something I really love. So that's really awesome. And, and I that makes total sense. Knowing you, professional development makes completely sense. That's where your heart lies. And as a member of TSAE, going to a few of your sessions about technology, because I worked at a technology association previous to this and I was like, ah, this lady knows everything. I'm just learning like a sponge. Here I go. And, I, and nine times out of 10, I would go back after, and you would recommend a website or a tool that you use. And then a week later, we'd implement it where it was because I was like, I, I get this. And I guess I'm just telling you, you, you do make a difference even in your association friend space. So hope you realize that. 
Thank you, Stephen. It, it is so exciting to see people. You can see the literally see the light bulbs come on. But whether it's at a webinar or a huge auditorium or whatever, you can see that and that you've helped them for that brief moment of time. You've made them happy and helped them. And, and who wouldn't want to do that job? Yeah, you saw Katie in my face when you said six to ten hours of work. Of saving <laughs> work. We were like, "What? Yeah, uh, we're talking about that today, but we will get there." <laughs> Yes, Lori, it's time for our final question of the podcast. You're almost off the hot seat. But Lori, why do you think being engaged with organizations like TSAE is so important? I've told this story, and it is not just a story. It is so true. When I first became the executive director of this organization that I thought I knew so well, I was hopelessly lost. We're a 501c what? And I have to file a 99 something. How do I do that? And what do you mean? There are different types of governance. And and I didn't know any of that. I did not know any of that. I didn't know where to turn. Is who wants to admit to your peers? I'm clueless here. Clueless, please help me. And TSAE literally got me through those first few years. 14 years down the road now, I do know a little bit more about some of that stuff, but not a day goes by that I don't say, hmm, I can ask somebody at TSAE that, either one of the staff members or one of the board members or one of the TSAE members, or, hey, I bet they've got a webinar on that, or I bet there's a session coming up about that. I literally could not do my job without it. And I'll be horribly honest and say, I don't see how any leader of an organization could function without TSAE and what they offer. It has just meant so much to me. It also helps me know that I am not alone. When you have that bad board meeting or when the budget's just not looking good and you have just tried everything you can do, there are people you can reach out who are doing undergoing the same things and they will help you get you down from the ledge <laughs> and, and, and tell you it's going to be okay and here's some things to try and here's some ideas. I've made amazing mentors with TSAE who have helped me get through everything, Stephen, being one of them. So yeah, very important. The final thing I'll say about TSAE is, is staying current. We've talked about having to be nimble. We've talked about the changes that are coming. A lot of times I may not know that they're coming, like the whole AV cost increases and changes with that and everything I wasn't aware of until it was at a oh, corner office conversation. I had to remember the name there that Stephen led with all those great discussions. And I went, oh, that's something I should be looking at. And I hadn't thought of it. So really, the fact that TSAE helps me stay current and know what things to be aware of. Again, it's life-saving, quite frankly, job-saving. Most definitely, my board is very appreciative of the fact that I am busy with TSAE and learning things for y'all. Oh, thanks, Lori. Man, that is very touching, and we need to, we will pay you later. Comment. That was incredible. And Lori, it, uh, hopefully it's very clear to anyone listening why you were selected as Association Professional of the Year. Your passion for the space and for helping others and just leading your own org through the tumultuous time over the past few years, just been really impressive. So I'm really glad we got to honor you this past few months at New Ideas. So thank you for that. And thank you so much for being here with us today, Lori. We appreciate you as always. And I knew that I would have a page full of stuff when we left <laughs> and I knew. So thank you. I have a lot of things to learn about and to read. So with that, I know I learned so much. So thank you, Lori. And thank you all so much. I always love to talk about all these exciting things, TSAE, AI, and how we can do better at what we do. Thank you. Thank you, Lori. And thank you out there on the podcast for all of you listeners. We appreciate you. Join us each month as we have more conversations with members from the association community. And be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple, Spotify, Google, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. 
If you'd like more information about the Texas Society of Association Executives, be sure to visit us online at tsae.org. Thanks to my co-host, Katie Markert, and thanks again for listening. Bye, everyone. Bye, everyone.